Hi, I'm James Brooks, and welcome to From the Factory Floor, a conversational podcast about all things startup and tech, brought to you by the folks at thestartupfactory.tech. So, welcome to From the Factory Floor, from the folks at thestartupfactory.tech. Uh, very kindly today, uh, as a last-minute step-in, as uh, unfortunately the dreaded Rona is still around and afflicting Ian. Alexa has managed to join me. Hi, Alexa. Hi, hi, James. Good to be here. How are you doing? Good, good. Um, I know I'm a, a off-the-bench replacement, but I'm looking forward to this chat. Yeah, you do, you, you do tend to stay on the bench a few for these and uh, just, just get in for a couple of ones when you need to. I think we had you for the Pragmatic CTO last time. And our star of the show this week is David from Pratura. Hi, David. Hi, how are you doing? Very well, thanks. How are you? Excellent, thanks. Excellent. So, I think everyone knows who I am now, if, if they're listening, and uh, probably know who Alexa is, but David, do you want to just give a two-minute intro to yourself? Yeah, so I'm a founder of Pratura Ventures um, and the overall Pratura group. We are a VC based in Manchester and with a focus on trying to do things a bit differently. Um, one is that we are based and invest in the north of England uh, predominantly. And then the second is just how we go about sort of adding, trying to help the founders build the best business they can once we've invested. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably our our, our, our whole ethos. Um, we have across the Pratura group built sort of since 2011 to uh, about 400 million of assets under management and lending book. We have a venture capital business and a uh, an asset finance lending uh, division. Uh, and in the venture capital space, we launched our first fund, having done a number of deals deal by deal. We launched our first fund in 2019 and have raised 110 million quid since 2019 with £80 million raised in the last 12 months. So really on a bit of a, a growth curve ourselves. Yeah, I mean, it's quite impressive sort of what you guys managed to do. And obviously, I think we spoke to Ben a couple of weeks ago. And I mean, obviously, like you say, you really focused on the north of England and, you know, obviously based in uh, Manchester. Um, what is it that makes, obviously, we do things differently is kind of one of the things that Manchester's kind of tried to say <laughs> yeah. is its own little thing. But what is it? that makes you, you know, really look to invest in the North and especially Manchester? It's where we're from. Uh, so there's a little bit of pragmatism there um, in the, in the, it's where I was born, grazed, grown up and raised and where our founders are, are from. Uh, I think the second reason is that, you know, it's, there's a real opportunity because there isn't enough VC funding in the North of England. There isn't many VC firms based in Manchester there isn't enough capital going into back founders in the north of England and to us we see that as a problem to be solved but also an opportunity to potentially exploit for our investors because it gives us a, a you know, we're in a real opportunity to back the very best talent out of the entire region I think at the early stage that we invest in um, there is a real benefit in having a local VC firm and VC partner to the to the founders, and that sort of local local element allows us to kind of you know hopefully uh, become something of a VC of choice for founders in the north of England, particularly where we are in Manchester, and therefore we can we you know there's a, there's a belief that we can help founders from the north from Manchester build international and world class businesses, which obviously then benefit from growth and 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 the other I guess the third limb to that is. Manchester's just a great place to build early stage tech businesses. You know, quality of life and cost of cost of living and all that sort of stuff is is potentially 
advantageous against London without saying anything negative about London <laughs> and the great and the great city that is. I mean, I always used to call it the big smoke, and every time I went down to London, um, quoting the uh, song from Sweeney Todd, but less about that anyway, because that's far more interesting. No, oh, hang, no hang on, let's hear, let's hear, let's hear oh. a bit more about Sweeney Todd. <laughs> Well, I mean, less about the pies and the haircuts, to be honest, although I could do with one at the moment. But it's it's one of those things, obviously, Alexa, from the CSF perspective, we've obviously focused on Manchester and the North as well. And, I mean, what's your impression of the sort of tech scene in Manchester and sort of the, sort of the want of innovation around Manchester and startups? Yeah, so, I mean... Just to reiterate what, what Dave said, Manchester is just a great city. I, I see myself as adopted Mancunian. I love this city and I think it deserves to be the leading city in a lot of things, uh, not only in tech and, and VC capital as well. So um, as you know, I'm, I'm quite passionate about it. I'm trying to be, get uh, techies in Manchester um, step up to run these world-class companies that, that we at TSF start and maybe that, that uh, Dave a bit Pichura supports. Because I think we have everything we, we, we should have in this ecosystem to, to, to build really the next Silicon Valley uh, of the world, not only in the UK, here in Manchester. Yeah, it's, I, mean, I mean, we've got the best football teams anyway, or at least in the north of England. I mean, I'm not sure, David, if you're a football I'm, fan I'm, or not. I'm a Liverpool fan, so I'm not quite sure how I meant to. It's still, it's still I think, the North West. I think if we just just move swiftly past that. that well, uh... If it makes you feel any better, I'm a Burnley fan. So, you know, you're not, that, not means just, you, that, mean, that means you're a true football fan. Well, yeah. <laughs> true. Someone will go through that. It's, it's, it's the line between bravery and idiocy and kind of where you want to sit on that. But I think we've always wanted to embrace you know, Manchester and having a VC in Manchester that's got that same ethos and obviously started whether it's coming to us or building their own thing and then having a place to go where someone who wants to do things differently. And I think some of the videos you've done on LinkedIn and your series around what people don't tell you about VCs is probably some of the advice that people really want or don't usually get. So what was it that really prompted you doing that series? Uh, I think... There's just a lot of there's a lot of nonsense written about VC. There's a lot of survivorship bias. You hear about the massive deals. You hear about you know businesses raising billions of pounds, or you hear about businesses you know being a startup and raising hundred million quid or whatever it is. You look at Fast, which is in the news today, raised 125 million pounds, got to 600 and something grand of revenue, went bust, and was burning a 10 million dollars a month. Right. I mean, that's nuts, but that's what you hear a lot of in, in, in the VC world. You know, it's dominated by London, it's dominated by Silicon Valley. And I think that when you sort of listen to a lot of the things that are talked about there and the advice, it's kind of not practical for most founders building most of the tech businesses that they're, that they're building. It's kind of very much focused at, you know, People read about blitzscaling, but you know the LinkedIn version of, of blitzscaling and just raise as much money as you can and build as quickly as you can. It's like, for most people, that's very, very bad advice because unless you can go and convince yourself to go and convince Silicon Valley VC investors, very few people are writing in, in England and particularly in the north of England, they're writing 10 million, 20 million pound checks for a very, very early stage business. So I think that, when we looked at kind of what the systems and the media portrays in VC, 
a lot of it just felt like it didn't apply to the majority of people. So we tried to put together uh, something that said, right, okay, well, what is the reality of raising money and why is it so difficult and why is it well reported that only 1% of businesses go and you know, raise VC and and all this sort of advice on how to create your pitch deck and what to do and who to speak to and go and speak to 100 VCs. It all just feels like, to me, it just feels like a lot of people creating an industry about pitching to VCs when actually it's pretty straightforward. Create something that tells your story in a really authentic way and go to people who want to listen to that story and who invest in people who look and sound and you know and, and are like the business you're trying to build. It to me it's really simple and it's massively overcomplicated by an entire industry of people trying to tell you bullshit. It's amazing how many times you hear, you know, this the stories of like say the three hundred million, thirty, twenty, whatever it is that people are raising and Often I wonder what the do what startups are actually looking to raise that cash and what they're doing it for. I mean, we've always taken quite a pragmatic approach. I know it's also the pragmatic CTO stuff you've looked at. And when you look at some of the startups and the sort of sums they probably want to raise or need versus what they need to raise, I mean, a lot of it feels a lot of it's um, sort of ego or almost of it, wanting to show off. A lot of it's vanity. Um and a lot of it's trying to get to the next place as quickly as you possibly can. And I think a lot of it is, it also is kind of a little bit backwards, isn't it? So if you raise 20 million quid, by definition, your valuation has to be 40 or 50 million quid at least, because otherwise the VC absolutely swallows the cap table. Mm. So I think if you can convince someone to raise 20 million quid, you almost backwards engineer to a high valuation, whether that's valid or not. Um, and I think there's a whole raft of reasons why it is, but it's also because founders and the media focus on the very big raises. It becomes as if that's the norm, as if people are writing 10 million checks, you know, willy nilly for people with an idea and a PowerPoint presentation and an Excel spreadsheet. For the vast majority of VC and the vast majority of founders, that's just not what happens. And personally, I think that there is there's a massive danger when you raise money that you raise too little. So mm. many founders come to us and say, we need 500 grand. And you look at their plans and you're like, you definitely don't need 500 grand. You, you probably need 2 million quid. And I think there's an assumption that um, raising 500 grand is easier than raising 2 million quid because it's a smaller number. Mm. But on the flip side, there is, so there's a lot of people, there's a real danger if you raise too much money because you kind of don't know what to do with the money. And you kind of end up in a situation where you probably the board is saying, well, we've got the money, let's spend it. And then you think of ways to spend it. And before you know it, of that 10 million quid, 5 million is wasted on fancy offices and perks for people that they don't give a shit about. And people doing jobs that probably don't need to happen. And I think when you're an early stage founder, there is an absolute benefit of being a little bit lean. Mm. Learn the entire business. Do the things that you don't want to do as a CEO. Do the late nights when you're kind of like, oh, shit, I wish we had someone who could do that for us. But actually, it's me. So I'm going to do it. And I think you learn a lot about the business that way. So at the danger of sounding a bit like, you know, simplistic, there's a little bit of Goldilocks about a fundraise. Definitely don't raise too little. I don't think you know you, you there is a danger of raising too much too early because expectations are massively increased if you look at fast 
I know I've mentioned it already twice, mm. but it's something I've been reading about over the last few days. I can only imagine the expectation of when you've raised $125 million in three years and your revenue is 600 grand a year. I can't imagine the pressure the founder must have felt to be like growing something, doing something, achieving something. Whereas if they'd raised a bit less, maybe the pressure would be a little bit less and maybe they could have iterated and done stuff and, and you know, and, and maybe grown a bit. Well, it's hard to grow slower than six hundred grand after three years. <laughs> but but you know what I mean. But it's like say it's like, it's like... Dave, I just um, um, I've just um, listened to a couple of your videos, uh, and one of them you say importance of being ready for the for the pitch to the VC, just you know being ready really to tell that story. And then something I also kind of followed up a bit recently on on social media about almost accidental pitches, people going to VCs just to test the water, as it were. Um, is that something you, you see as well? And, and, and what would you say to, to people doing that? I think people take a bit of a throw it at the wall and see what sticks approach to raising money from VC, right? It literally is. Uh, you, are you whoever it is, is a VC. Here's my deck. I'll throw it at the wall and see what happens. I think you can be so much more strategic about your fundraising process, right? There, there will probably be 10 to 20 VCs who absolutely perfectly fit in what you, they back B2B SaaS, they back life sciences, they back AI, they back direct to consumer, whatever it is, whatever you're doing. And then also stage of life. So, you know, they back, they do 1 million. We do a check between first check is 1 million to 3 million is our ideal position, right? Some people will do 250 grand to 500 grand. Some people will do 5 million to 10 million. Like if you think about those things, the sector, space, size, that narrows your VC universe down quite a lot. And then pick the 20 best fit for you and go and do those things properly rather than trying to fit, trying to trying to manage 100 relationships and doing each one badly manage 20 relationships and do them well and i do see that people come in like you can almost tell where they're kind of just testing the water and it's not it's just not a problem but i think when you're trying to build their relationship early i think you can definitely kind of just tell people that tell the vc look i'm just i'm figuring it out i'm not quite i'm not quite ready i'll come back to you in six months but i just wanted to kind of get your sense of whether you're interested vcs will definitely tell you if you're in if that sounds interesting it sounds like what they do that's something they we definitely will do, but what comes across is when you sort of kind of forget whether is it is it actually a a pitch or is it actually an early stage conversation? Is it a relationship building exercise? Like what is it? There's just a bit more honesty required across the entire industry across VCs from VCs to founders, founders to VCs. Honesty is really important, and if you have an honest conversation, say, look, I'm just testing. I'm just I'm, I'm thinking what I'm doing. I'm, this isn't my pitch, but I'd like to talk to you about it. Great. I think most VCs would listen. I think most VCs would give constructive feedback to the best ability they can. Um, but I think people kind of, you know, I'll try this and maybe it'll work. And if we, if they like it, then we'll, you know, maybe we don't need to do the whole thing. It's just, I think just people need to treat VC fundraisers more systematically, more like you would on a, you know, on a B2B sales process crm moving people through the gears approach 
approached the people who look most like the <laughs> that was a solid solid dog bark um approach the people who uh who look most likely to fund you and then approach them in a systematic way yeah i think there's um there's a lot to be said for honesty and having people actually being at the right stage because we've had you know we get approached by a lot of startups um who've got ideas and i think some of the most refreshing conversations are the people who actually go I'm not quite sure what I want to do yet. I just kind of want some advice or I just want to be pointed in the right direction. And it's incredibly refreshing versus, you know, people who come in, I've got this brilliant idea, you know, looking at raising 100 million in two years' time, which you're going to be rating, generating 10 million revenue in year three. And you kind of just go, no, you're not. Probably not. <laughs> no, you're <laughs> and not. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, you can just go, the people who come in and kind of that level of honesty, and I think it's something that we look for in some of our founders, oh. you know, that very grounded approach. Honesty, authenticity, humility, um, really powerful indicators for, for me. Um, you know, yes, it's a sales pitch. Yes, it's a, you want to tell the best story you can, but the best stories aren't, this is a foolproof plan. And by the way, we're definitely going to be a unicorn in two years time. And, you know, and then you've got the hockey stick business plan that shows, Oh, look in a, in, in five years time, we're going to have the pro we're going to have profit levels like of basically the GDP of a small country. Like it's just, it just, <laughs> it's just, it's unlikely. I I'm, I'm really glad that you've got that ambition and, 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 and I think it's important, but think a lot of people you know they just immediately go into 100 percent, 100 mile an hour sales pitch of let me tell you how fucking great i am and my business is and this opportunity is it's like well just uh, no, hang on just slow down let's find out what it is what why you're doing it what's what drives you what's really important and i think you know in terms of those that series that i do on linkedin you know one of the things that i talk, talk about a lot is not every vc has to be told that you're going to be a unicorn like it's not every time I ask a founder these days of like what are you actually trying to achieve and they're like we're going to be a unicorn in five years yeah great okay that's that's good but why like why are you doing this what drives you to get up every day and try and build this thing you're trying to build the numbers will kind of take care of themselves if you build a great business with a great product and a great you know a great fan base of loyal customers the numbers will take care of themselves it's not a goal in and of itself to be a unicorn and it's also not a goal to be like next to in two years time we are going to raise 100 million at 500 million valuation again that's focusing on the outcome of a fundraise not build a great business with a great product with a with a with people who love using whatever it is you're building the numbers will take care of themselves if you grow rapidly you will always be able to raise money in vc land you know that's just a given. People focus too much on fundraising and not enough on, I'm just going to build something awesome. And and I think most VCs get really excited about people who want to build something awesome. Mm. And that's that's really what we're here for. Solving genuine problems is kind of the thing that we look, I've, especially I would look for when we have our first conversation with startups is, like I said, not talking about the money, not talking about what they want to raise, how much revenue. What's the problem? Who's got the problem? And who's and how does this fix it? Why is this why is this the best way of fixing it? And why are you passionate about solving that problem? Yeah. Like what for me, one of the things that and it's not it's not a it's not a be all and end all. It's not like a 
straight red card if it's that, if it happens. But I find people who search for a problem less backable than someone who's lived a problem. Yeah. I think you know there's lots of people who come at this from a kind of consultancy basis of I've looked at this market and this is a problem. And then you speak to someone who's actually lived with the problems. Of, you know, one of our favourite ones in our portfolio, Patchwork Health is about helping sort of uh, flexible working within NHS. The founders lived it. They were doctors. They were involved in projects at uh, Chelsea and Westminster Hospital on working with flexible working. They were involved in the real problem. They knew doctors with the real problem and they knew the NHS trust problem because they worked in that environment. They were perfectly positioned to see the issue and how it might be fixed. I think someone coming into that from the outside world goes, I want to help the NHS workers work more flexibly, but they've never, yes, that's probably a ultimate goal and a problem that needs to be fixed. But if you've never really, if you've never really lived it, how do you know how to solve it? It really helps the authenticity, you know, like it's, well, it's, it's the basis of the authenticity at that stage. You know, I think uh, Reese uh, social plug, one of our startups was, you know, he, he was an actor and he's seen the problems with influencer marketing that people are just wasting money because he got thrown so much stuff and, he, you know, he's, and he's like, I wasn't adding to their product because that's not who my followers were. And that's why he's then built this. And he understands the problem. And, you know, like, so imagine there's a couple of startups that, you know, we've worked with who you think that authenticity really shines through. Yeah. And it's, and it's just so, it's so uh, invigorating as a VC we get to do one of the best jobs in the world, right? We get to work and what work and support founders build awesome things. And when you find those founders who are, you know, passionate, talented and authentic about what they're trying to do, it's like, it's, it's, it's the best part of our job and it's the best part that we get to go on the journey with them and we get to be part of it. We're not in any way the, the star of the show on that. The founders, the founders and the business is obviously the star of the show. But it's the best part of doing what we do. So what we're always looking for is those founders who just think, fuck me, I want to be part of this. I want to be part of this thing. Whatever it is they're building, it doesn't really matter what it is. It just matters to, I really want to be part of that. That's going to be so it, it, exciting. It is quite universal, isn't it? I mean, for us as well, I mean, uh, our founders are much earlier stages than someone who would talk to you as a VC. Uh, but it is about that authenticity, really. It is universal kind of, you know, knowing the problem. Uh, themselves and and those are the, the people we typically pick to work to work with. So it, there's a lot of common sense in this, really. So it's it's more than just you know a VC or not. No, it's uh, not. It, oh, this is nothing to do with VC. This is no this is no VC insight. Like this is this is just people. This is about mm-hmm. what people. And this is if you're if you're out there trying to if, if founders are listening and thinking about raising money, whether it's us or whether it's me or whether it's VC or whether it's early step earlier earlier stage whatever selling the mission the vision the way you want to do it and why it is important to you is as important as the you know the the metrics or the or the uh you know the size of the problem that you can go on and solve it's about like that i want to come on a journey with you i want to be part of the team i want to i want to help you i want to see what you can achieve you know in in partnership with us it's just it's just a people thing it's not that's not VC specific not advice, is it? Because I think it also applies to selling, right? So if you're selling your product to someone, I'm much more likely to buy from someone who really cares about what they do and about what they are believing in. Especially, you know, and that's applies to sales team founders. Doesn't matter. It's just people buy people buy from people. And remember, VCs are in the game of 
backing people. We want to find people to back. People overcomplicate this whole this whole thing. I think people overcomplicate startups at times. Like you say, it's it's all about having a genuine problem that you experience and selling it to people who are experiencing it and having that genuine background, that real drive. And then, to be honest, like I say, raising money then becomes easy because you've got the passion for it and you can tell people want to do it. Yeah, the over the other overcomplication that people do is is convince themselves that they know perfectly what it is they're going to do with the money, uh, and whatever issue that is there in the business, or and or that there are zero risks to that business being being you know the next unicorn, right? Massively overcomplicated. People think about it far too much. I'd rather hear people go. Well, I don't really know what might happen in two years' time, but what we're building is a team of people who can figure it out. Or we can, you know, that's that's more real, isn't it? Like we've we've built a Pratura and I can't quite, it still amazes me we're sort of 130 or people now. When we started, I didn't see it going to get to 130 people. I didn't think, think we'd get to 30 million of revenue across, across the group. I didn't see any of that. I just, we started and we built and we learned and we changed and it took us eight years to, you know, in the venture space to really work out what we're doing. And I think we've actually found ways of, doing at scale over probably over the last couple of years like we didn't know the answers anyone who pretends that they know exactly where this is going and all the all the solutions it just doesn't feel real to me it i think founders want to or feel the need to present something that is flawless and and doesn't have risk and and is a no-brainer for an investor for an investor but nothing is that, right? And and actually, by sort of going down that road, you end up feeling it's a bit less backable because we all know that that's not the case. Not the case. But that's what people feel like they need to present. Mm. And again, just be real. Like we're building this. We think this is going to happen. We think this might happen. You know, I've heard so many people say, "In year four, we are going to do thirty million in revenue." And my, like, I guarantee one thing the one number you will not hit in year four is the one that's in your plan so don't say it's don't say it's definitely going to happen don't don't act as if it has already happened what you might be looking at is we think we can get 100 customers and we think the customers will pay us on, on average this the maths then says that ends up at this revenue but that's not the same as saying we in year four we are going to hit 40 million revenue because it's just it's too much certainty in an uncertain thing. Startups are uncertain. It's it's something like say it's that almost having to. It's almost like a dating profile. You need to present yourself as the perfect human being, or you know, you need to present yourself as a perfect business. When the fact that you know you show your flaws and go, do you know, like say we're not entirely sure exactly what all this is going to do, but this is how we're going to approach it. Yeah. This is kind of roughly speaking, the money's going towards this. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, and it, it's definitely not saying just come to us and say, you know, we want to, we want to, we want to, you want you to invest three million quid, and we'll decide afterwards where we're going to spend it. Like, I think there's definitely, <laughs> I, I might have over, yeah. I might have been guilty of oversimplifying, but I think being too certain on what the outcome is 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 one of those things that, to me, is a bit of a warning flag and a red flag for for invest for founders because it just, it just life just doesn't work that way. Now, I'd like to see how many financial predictions had the last two years in. Well, uh, and they predicted no, that beforehand. And I think, to be fair, you know, one of the things that we sort of see ourselves and, you know, slight 
slightly potentially differently from from Fratures. We're founders ourselves, right? We've built a number of businesses. I guarantee you, we hit virtually none of our budgets in the first few years. Like, uh, and and therefore, I've kind of got a bit of a skepticism for the budgets. And equally, it'd be very ironic for us to kind of really beat founders around the head if they don't hit budgets, because. When I've been building businesses, we didn't hit budgets. I think we're 11 years in and we might have a chance of hitting this year's budget, <laughs> which would be probably the first budget I've ever hit. And so I'm not going to, there's just no point in like putting too, no point in putting too much store by it. It's a good idea of what might happen. There's definitely some unit economics things that are really interesting in all of that. And there's definitely a kind of cost-based thing that's really interesting. Um, from our perspective, it's a guide to what might happen. And definitely, like from, from certainly from my perspective, I've got real empathy for when you miss the budget, right? You're all trying to do it, but life life gets in the way. We all think we can achieve things a bit quicker than we might do. And then on the flip side, sometimes you achieve things way quicker than you might have put in the budget. And, and there's good and bad variances to budget. So I think... Yeah, it's just one of those things that I've kind of, I've seen it myself. You can't, as a VC, get too excited about whether you do or don't hit budget, as long as the people are moving in the right general direction. But the thing is that you're practicing what you preach. You know, you say be humble and authentic. And that's what, you know, you can do that for your startups because you understand you've been there, you've been a founder. Understand it's, the journey it's, it's and, the, and the issues. It's empathy, right? It's empathy. We've raised money. We've we've founded businesses. We've made some investments and done some things that you know don't look great in hindsight. We've we've made mistakes in the way we have built our business. We've hired the wrong people. We've been seduced by a CV and had to eventually you know part ways with that person. And usually that's an expensive parting of ways, right? Mm. But those are the things that happen when you're building a business. Nothing is perfect, and if, I think for VCs to not have that empathy is a real would be a real worry sign for me yeah. if I was a founder raising money. Well, I'm just very confident that yeah, the uh, time, David, because uh, I think we could probably talk all day to be honest. I think it's been a really interesting chat, but I'd like to end on a takeaway that you know, if some not Chinese and Indian, but just to see if <laughs> what. I always aim for the cheap laughs. It gets me something. They're the be- they're the best kind. <laughs> but it's. What advice, so, so say as a founder sat here, sat listening to this, what's the, like the key advice if they're going to come and approach Pratura or just approach their fundraising in general and there's one thing you wanted them to take from this, what would what would that be? Okay, can I extend it to two? Um, so the on, first, You've the been first a good guest, would, so you can have two. Uh, uh, wow, a good guest, excellent. That. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends I'll what the two that. are, right? I'll take that. The first thing is tell your story. Don't tell somebody else's story. Don't tell the story that somebody else thinks you know used to raise their money. Tell your story about what you're doing. It comes back to all the things we talked about, authentic. And the second thing is if you want to raise money, the best way of raising money is to go to people who invest in things that look like what you are. So go to the 20 VCs, definitively invest in what you are currently building. So look on their portfolio on their website. If you see lots of businesses that look a, lot, a little bit like you, go to them. If you, do, if you see lots of funding raises and they're like, if you're raising a million quid, don't go to Sequoia. They're never going to do a million quid. Like just, and that apply, that's the really obvious extreme, but just don't do it. Go to the people who 
are trying to find businesses that look like you, your chances of success are massively increased because you are wasting time trying to convince people to change their investment thesis or criteria because they never will because they have their own investors who they've promised to invest in businesses that look like a certain type. And therefore, you're never going to change it. No one is ever going to change their investment criteria or thesis for one, one individual startup. You know, so tell your story authentically. Go to people who are looking for people that look like you. I, I, I couldn't give better advice. Like I say, we, the advice for people who come to us, I'd always say, you know, be genuine know what your problem is don't you know have an idea of what numbers you're kind of aiming for like we said earlier but focus on the problem and solving it and i think it was ian always says the money will then come you know it's like the applause for solving the problem the, that's, the money will the money will always take care of itself. if you are growing and doing something genuine and helping do something great building a great product <laughs> money should come vc <laughs> is not this mystical art right we are a business in that our business is investing in other businesses. If we don't do any investments, we're kind of fucked up, right? So <laughs> we're looking to we're we're actively disposed to most. Uh, this is one thing that I do you know that I do see a lot with founders. It's almost like VCs are the gatekeepers of money, and you've got to try and you know like it's a battle to get through. But remember, VCs are in the business of investing. We want to invest. We want to see things that look great to us. We want to invest. That's how we go about doing our business. It shouldn't be a battle. It should be, you're a great business, building a great product, doing a great thing with great vision and what you're trying to do. And we're a business that is trying to invest in people that look exactly like you or businesses that look exactly like you. And therefore, it should be it should be a simpler process than I think most people make it out to be. And in particular, the media makes it out to be. Uh, Alexa, how about you? For any startups that are approaching people like Pratura or coming to talk to us, what would your key piece of advice be? I see it being an entrepreneur as a series of starts, always a new start. Start with your idea, start with first MVP build, first funding, first series A, and so on. So I think approaching every stage as it is a start, you know, with that, what we said many times on this podcast, you know, humility, honesty, you know, and, and hard work, really, that will pay off in the end. So nothing came comes off from nothing, and, and you have to show that as an entrepreneur as well. That's a, that's a great analogy and one that I will be stealing and using liberally as if it was my own idea in the future. You're welcome. You're welcome. You'll, 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 you'll catch it on David's next video. And I, I promise you, you, you are That'll be a LinkedIn post. That'll be a, that'll be a video. Everything to start. I love it. Well, thanks very much, chaps. I think that's all we've got time for. David, we'd love to get you on again. Uh, I really enjoyed that chat. And um, thank you very much, Alexa. Thank you very much, David. Thank you, thank you very much both for your time. Really thank you. It. I think that just about wraps things up here. If you have any thoughts or questions on anything we've said today, get in touch, whether that be through our Twitter, at RealTSF, or email at hello at startupfactory.tech, or feel free to drop in for a coffee and a chat, as ever. Thanks for listening.